quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Learn how to figure out cash on cash returns. Start with the overall cash on cash return for a project, because if your overall cash on cash return that you're calculating for a project, and I'm talking about from cash flow plus your proposed exit strategy, if you're not getting an annualized return above 15%, it's probably not syndicated. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Kim Lisa Taylor. Kim is joining us from St. Augustine, Florida. She is the founding attorney of Syndication Attorneys, a corporate securities law firm that sets up private placement offerings and syndications nationwide, as well as provides marketing materials and education for syndicators. Kim's portfolio consists of almost $3 billion of security offerings drafted for clients. Kim, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Ash. It's our pleasure, Kim. If you would give our audience just a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now. We're mainly focused on growing the law firm so that we can help more and more people learn how to syndicate, learn how to set up their funds correctly, learn how to comply with the law, but also so that they can in turn pass that on to their investors. So we feel like we can get the biggest reach by educating people on how to do things legally and how to do it right. Kim, many years ago, syndications, it appeared, were reserved for people with a lot of experience and a lot of zeros of assets under management. That's not the case today. And do you think most real estate investors know that? Or do you still think they think it's out of reach? There's a fair amount of people that feel like it's out of reach, but through your program, training programs that are available, I think more people are getting in tune with the fact that it's not out of reach, that you just have to learn the set of rules so that you can do it legally and you can raise all the money you need for every deal you ever want to do. Do you mind breaking that down for our audience? Who is ideal for a candidate for syndication? Because a lot of investors started out with maybe some residential. They've moved up to a higher number of units or they have gone into commercial industrial and they've not raised capital yet. Can you address that audience? Sure. In fact, that's a fair amount of our clients are people that have never, ever raised money before. We like to shepherd people through the process. It's really just about learning the rules. I liken it to learning how to drive. When you learn how to drive, you got to learn how to operate the vehicle. You got to learn the road signs and how to comply with the laws related to driving. So once you get all that stuff in your head, it becomes second nature and you don't worry about it anymore. So it's not that difficult, but you just got to learn how to put the pieces together, how to structure your deals, what securities compliance means so that it's not fearful and you can be confident when you're talking to people that you're doing it legally. What's the biggest mistake people make when raising capital for the first time? They think that they're going to find one investor to take on their deal. So they focus on one or two investors or they only talk to three or four people and they think that's going to raise them all the money that they need. And those deals never really come through. Can we dive into the cost of a syndication? And I'm going to tell you the context that I'm thinking about it in. We've done a fair number of syndications. 
The very first one I did was just over $15,000. And then we set up a fund through syndication attorneys. I actually use Michael Fugler, who is an absolute rock star. And we set up a fund for $15,000. But it seems like when I have these conversations in the real estate circles, I hear always, you pay too much. Call this guy. He does it for five grand. Call this guy. He does it for three grand. And then we also hear all these attorneys do is recycle the documentation. Do you mind addressing all of that? Yeah. So we've customized our documents. Our documents are constantly evolving over the nearly 20 years that I've been doing this. I started, well, actually 15. I started in 2008. And from that time, our documents have evolved based on the real experiences of our clients. So our documents have very unique clauses in them and they're changing all the time because something will happen in a deal and we'll say, look, let's figure out how to make this easier for people to deal with the next time it happens because it will happen again. So we don't use boilerplate documents. We customize documents for every client. But I think where we really excel is helping people figure out how to structure their deals correctly because we get a lot of people that come to us with offerings that other people have written and they don't have the educational background to feel confident to even use the documents. So somebody will write a fund for them, but they don't even feel like they know what they're doing. So they never, ever use it. They never raise any money. So we want to make sure that they have the right foundation by making sure they're educated. They understand the rules. They've got resources available to them. We've got books, podcasts, articles, FAQs, just a ton of educational material. We do our own weekly masterminds with our clients just to try to keep them on track so that they learn what to do. And I think that really is the distinguishing factor between us and other attorneys, because a lot of other attorneys will just, sure, we'll take your money, we'll draft your documents, here you go. And we're not like that. In fact, when someone comes to me and says they want to do a fund, more often than not, I talk them out of it, (laughs) So, which is kind of counterintuitive. Why is that? Why do you talk them out of a fund? Because most people aren't capable of doing one successfully. Number one, you have to have a significant track record already doing syndications with the same type of property that you plan to do in your fund. So until you've done five or six deals and you've raised five or $10 million, it's never going to work for you. And then every fund has to have a business plan and a marketing plan. So it's not like build it and they will come. It's build it and market the heck out of it. And maybe you'll get some people that are interested in it. But it's also the hardest possible way that somebody could raise money. We've had really experienced clients that have done 20, 30 deals. And they've tried to do funds and they've come back and said, we're just not going to do this fund. It didn't work. Our investors didn't like it. They like to invest in syndications. They like to invest in single projects. They don't like the concept of investing in a business plan where there's no concrete project already identified. Interesting. What should a syndication cost? And I know they're all different, but let's just take a run-of-the-mill syndication. We've got products starting anywhere from $10,000 to $25,000. So it really just depends on the complexity, the amount of money that's being raised and how that deal is going to be structured. So it's just all across the board, but our most common syndications are 15, give or take. We offer returning client discounts, so sometimes they can get discounts off that. We have low-cost programs where people can just get involved with us before they have a syndication deal just to start getting comfortable with these rules and the structures and all of that stuff. Kim, your company is called Syndication Attorneys. When somebody looks for a syndication attorney, what are some things they should look for and what are some red flags? 
For us, this is all we do. This is our entire practice. There's a lot of attorneys that will do syndications as just part of their practice. I think the biggest red flag that I've run across are, unfortunately, I don't mean to malign an entire practice area, but there are a lot of real estate attorneys that don't understand securities compliance. And during the course of my career, I've run into a whole lot of them that just say, oh, we just do limited partnerships. Not understanding that you can't just do a limited partnership because you have to do a limited partnership and a private placement memorandum and a subscription agreement. You have to pick an exemption. They don't understand all that stuff. So they just spit out documents and they don't even understand understand that they're helping their clients break the law. What are some examples that you've seen where not having the proper documentation has really hurt a syndicator? I've had people that have gone to a document mill and had some documents created. They had zero confidence in those documents and came to us and said, can you fix this? And sometimes it's possible. Sometimes it's not just because of the way those documents are created. A lot of times we just have to start over. If there is something salvageable, we'll, we'll try to help with that. That or they just have the wrong structure to begin with. A recent example is I had somebody who said, well, I'm investing in a project a joint venture with somebody. And when I looked at the documentation, it, it wasn't a joint venture agreement. It was the wrong entity type. It didn't identify the project. It, uh, you know, I was like, okay. And I identified somebody else as the manager. And I said, okay, first of all, this is not a joint venture. It's not in the right jurisdiction. It doesn't identify the project. It's not even the right entity type. Either you should not invest in this or you should have that person redraft it so it is a true joint venture. And in that case, they actually did. They were accommodating and they said, okay, we'll do it correctly. And they were able to go forward with the investment. But often that's not the case. Somebody just really doesn't understand. They probably just pulled up a document that they used on something else and they're trying to reuse it again. They didn't get advice of counsel and they don't realize it's inappropriate. Kim, there seems to be a trend of people setting up funds, but not as a fund where there's multiple properties and each investor is spread out amongst those properties. The fund structure where each individual syndication operates under a fund and there's cost savings, ease of transactions. What are your thoughts on that? Well, there's multiple ways that can be done. The The one thing I want to caution, and I feel like I'm the only voice in the wilderness out here that's preaching this, is that funds of funds are very complicated. And it's not just the Securities Act of 1933 that's triggered when you're doing a funds of funds. You also have to comply with the Investment Company Act of 1940 and the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And in some cases, you may even have to register as an investment advisor just to be able to do a funds of funds that's not going to have direct control of real estate. So when your individual investments underneath that fund are just buying securities in somebody else's deal, that's what starts triggering these other regulatory requirements. So if you're buying and owning real estate directly, then you don't have to necessarily comply with these other Investment Company Act or the Investment Advisors Act. But when you're buying interest in somebody else's deal, that's when the red flags start to go up and you have to realize that what you're doing is, is kind of a different animal. You're not buying real estate anymore. You're, you're investing people's money and now you're, you're cast as an investment advisor. So you just got to be careful how you're structuring your deals, what you're investing in, how you're going to participate in those deals. Are you going to be part of the GP so you actually are in control of the deal? Or if you're just coming in as a passive investor, it's going to just change the regulatory framework that you have to operate under. That's a great segue for where I want to go. But what I was thinking about was setting up a fund that just has multiple syndications underneath of it 
And mm-hmm. each investor doesn't really even know it's a fund. They are investing in individual deals. However, the fund structure minimizes costs and gives you some efficiencies. Your thoughts on that? Yes, you can do that. And there's multiple ways that can be done. You could use a series LLC for that, where for each project, you create a separate series that has its own set of investors, still end up having to create a separate title holding entity that's owned by each individual series. That's something that we do. We also have another program called the Segregated Offering that we created where we do a master PPM for people that are buying the same kinds of things over and over and over again. They just need to have one PPM, a business plan that explains to the investors what they're doing. They can show that to their investors between deals. When they have a deal, then they create a property package, show them that. We just do a PPM supplement, a separate operating agreement, separate entity just for that deal. So that's another way to do it. There's another way you can do it where you have separate classes for each project. So there's a multitude of ways to do it. And that's one of the things that Michael does too, is he has his own structure for doing that. That's a little different than what I've described, but there's multiple ways that it can be done. The thing that people have to realize is that each of those separate offerings is its own syndicate and has to do its own filings with the SEC and with the Blue Sky State notice requirements. So it is triggered for every single deal. It's not really a fund. It's just kind of an overarching structure that maybe with a, a common PPM, and then you're still creating an SBV or single purpose venture for each deal. And there's some cost savings associated with doing it that way. There are some cost savings. There's also some time savings. So you might carve a week off from the time that it takes to get your offering documents completed. And sometimes that's critical when you have a really short time frame for getting a deal under contract, getting it closed and raising the money. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet for anyone to see? The answer is more than you think. Government records, social media posts, even your self-reported info, it's all being compiled by data brokers and sold to the highest bidders online. Anyone on the web can get your private details. This can lead to a higher risk of identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. I hate those spam calls. Well, I recently found a solution, and this is a new service called Delete Me. When I registered with Delete Me, They reviewed nearly 1,500 online listings and found more than 40 data brokers that had my personal info, my address, social security number, even info about my relatives. It's creepy stuff. Right at this moment, Delete Me is working to remove my information from those listings so I can take back control of my personal info and have a peace of mind I deserve and you deserve. Delete Me is on a mission to safeguard your privacy, and right now you can get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com dot com slash Joe. Use promo code Joe. Only way to get your 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash Joe. Enter promo code Joe at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash Joe. Promo code Joe. Stay safe out there. Deciding how to invest your capital is more challenging than ever. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company with a solid track record and that has thrived through various economic cycles. Companies like BAM Capital. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator that has delivered a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has never missed a preferred payment, never lost an LP's investment, and never called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital is currently raising capital for a fund designed for accredited investors 
targeting a 15 to 20 percent IRR and a 2 to 2.5x equity multiple to its investors over a three to five year hold period. If you're an accredited investor and you want to learn more about multifamily investment opportunities with BAM Capital, visit capital.thebamcompanies.com. Again, that's capital.thebamcompanies.com. Best ever listeners, if you know you're going to do a number of syndications, it's worth having these conversations to set up something that might be helpful in the future and save you time and money. Now back to your fund of funds that seem to be a very, very popular way for people to get started. And I've seen some astronomical rises of people raising millions of dollars who came out of nowhere. And it seems like there's a loophole that's being exploited where they just so happen to be on the GP because they are helping with marketing or due diligence. I see that as an implosion waiting to happen. What are your thoughts? We haven't seen that yet, but the SEC every year publishes what they're going to turn their attention to this year. They usually put out a list. So at some point in the future, maybe we see that. There was some pending legislation back in 2022 that said anything that a fund of funds invested in would have to produce audited financials annually which means that if they invested in your deal and then your deal all of a sudden becomes subject to having to produce annual audits, if that legislation ever comes to pass, then it's going to be very difficult to place those funds and funds because nobody's going to want to become subject to audit just because somebody brought in a couple million dollars or, or maybe even less. Interesting. Where do you see the industry trending towards now? We've seen some really high profile deals go back to lenders, go into foreclosure, go to auction. What are your thoughts? It's scary times right now. We encourage people. In fact, I'm just getting ready to write an article about this and get it published that if you're in trouble, talk to us because we may be able to help you figure out a solution. It may involve raising some additional capital. It may involve going to back to your investors and getting their permission and maybe even going to a lender and getting their permission or creating a separate class of investors that doesn't have ownership so the lender doesn't trigger any loan violations or loan agreement violations. We encourage people that if they're in trouble on a deal, talk to us. Let us see if there's a way that we can help you come up with a solution that's going to be palatable to your lenders and to your other investors and going to work for your deal and keep it afloat while we go through this next transition period for the next three or four years. We saw this in 2008 through 2010. If you can ride it out, the prices will come back. They will go up again. They always do. You just have to be able to hang on by your fingernails until you get to that point. So yeah, for some people, their deals are not going to be salvageable. They are going to lose some money. Their investors might lose some money, but it's better to cut your losses and get out of a deal and, and help explain to the investors that it's better for us to do that than it is to let the deal go back to foreclosure. Good advice. Kim, you've been immersed in this industry for decades. Are you also an active syndicator? My husband and I did syndicate a 27-unit apartment complex with some friends, and we owned it for nine years. And then he said, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, I'm retiring. <laughs> so, so yes, I have. And I've also invested in some deals. I get it. Kim, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Don't take on bad deals. 
learn how to analyze deals, learn how to figure out cash on cash returns, start with the overall cash on cash return for a project. Because if your overall cash on cash return that you're calculating for a project, and I'm talking about from cash flow plus your proposed exit strategy, if you're not getting an annualized return above 15%, it's probably not syndicatable. You just can't do this deal unless you just want to put your own money into it because you really need to have an annualized cash on cash return somewhere around 20% before it makes it worthwhile for you to take on the risk and to be able to give your investors a good enough return to get them to invest with you. So you really need to learn how to do that. I know that you guys have tools for that and I implore everybody to get really familiar with doing that because I spend a lot of time counseling people on how to do that because you can't determine investor splits until you know the overall return. So don't start with what you're giving investors. Start with the overall returns, then figure out what your splits have to be, then figure out if it's worth it. Great advice and great metrics. But Kim, I'm going to ask you, what do you say to those people whose cash on cash on day one might be seven or 8%, but they say, don't worry, I'm going to renovate these apartments and this area is hot. A lot of jobs are coming in. And when I go to sell, that's where I'll make all the money. That's fine. That's a great strategy. Ideally, you don't want to wait all the way until you sell before you're going to get your payoff because that's going to misalign your interest with your investors. The syndicator is going to want to sell as quickly as possible because they don't get paid until then and they're working for free, probably having to keep their other jobs, get other deals, not paying attention to this syndicate. So it's more important that the syndicator does a deal where they do get paid along the way. But you can accrue interest for your investors for the first couple of years. Maybe you're doing a project that there's not going to be any returns for 18 months because you're doing a heavy renovation. That's okay. Just set everybody's expectations so they know that their preferred returns are going to accrue during that period of time. And eventually you're going to make those up either on a refinance or a sale or even from cash flow later on once you get the project up and running. That's totally okay. I talked to a really huge syndicator one time at a conference and they have billions of dollars under management. And I said, how do you guys do it? Do you do 8% preferred returns from day one? And they said, oh no, we do five or six in years one and two. And then after we do a refi and we get the project renovated, then we step up to eight and their investors love it. What are you seeing in terms of returns? I know two years ago, returns are much higher. Is that more common now to see a five or 6% pref? Now, people try to do that, but it's a very difficult way to raise money. You could do it as long as it's for a finite period of time. If you say that's only year one and two, or it's going to step up as soon as we've got the property up and running the way we need it to be. But if you try to do a five or six pref across the board, you're going to have very little interest. For decades, the preferred return number has been 8%. You got to hit that target within two or three years. Or you're just not going to get people to write checks. Are you seeing longer hold periods? I see a lot of 10-year holds and people call it generational wealth funds and long-term holds. Before, it was a three to five-year exit. Are you seeing those longer holds to buy more time? There are people that are trying to do the 10-year holds, but the most common, and I think what's most palatable for investors is five to seven. Yeah. But the important thing that we're saying here is it's always a range. Don't tell your investors you're selling in year five because they're all going to call you in five years and one day and say, where's my check? You need to set their expectations. It's five to seven years, depending on market conditions. And we're going to gauge that at the time and we'll keep you apprised. Kim, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right, Kim, what's the best ever book you recently read? 
Well, okay. Besides my own, I got to do a shameless plug here. Okay. So our book got published. This is our second book. It's called How to Raise Capital for Real Estate Legally. Highly encourage everybody to get this book. It's a number one bestseller on Amazon, but the book that really helped me was The One Page Marketing Plan by Alan Dibb. And I actually ended up hiring them to be my coach for a while because they're just marketing experts. You have to realize that when you're finding investors, you're in the marketing business and you have to create a solid marketing plan with drip systems and newsletters and means to keep in touch with people, keep them apprised of what you're doing so that when there's that lag time between when you meet someone and when you actually have something to offer them, there's something going on in between this. Kim, what's the best ever way you like to give back? I love to teach. I just love to teach. I love to write. I love to explain to people how things work and how they can do it and help encourage them to learn and be proficient at it. Finally, Kim, how can our best ever listeners reach out to you? The best way to get a hold of us is at our website at syndicationattorneys.com. So if you go to syndicationattorneys.com, there's a tab there that says schedule a consultation. You can schedule a consult with me or you can schedule a consult with one of our staff. There's opportunities for you to do that. We would love to talk to you. Kim, you are one of the pioneers of real estate syndications. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today, giving us some valuable insights. We very much appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ash. Best ever listeners, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this episode with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so... Join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.